Let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. We've been talking uh, a lot uh, the last two weeks about what happens when this life is over. The book of Revelation is an interesting book. It's a, it's a complicated book as you get into the middle of it. But I would let you know the first three chapters of Revelation are pretty easy to understand. And the last three chapters of Revelation are pretty easy to understand. Pretty straightforward stuff here. Listen to what it says, what John says uh, he saw as we look in Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be their God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers and the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Father, we thank you for your word today. The points that make us rejoice and the points that make us tremble and pause Give us your strength, give us your wisdom today to understand these things. And, uh, Father, be your people in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at the fact that the Bible declares that we are living beings, that because God breathed into us the breath of life, that we have a spirit and a soul and that we're going to exist for eternity. That death in the Bible, when you see death in the the Word of God, it simply means separation. And we're told about two deaths, one that we are appointed to when the body falls finally under uh, under the curse and the spirit and the soul of man, the essence of who we are, is separated from that body and we go stand before God in judgment. Here in this passage that we just read, we're told again and warned again about the second death. That's any person whose name is not found written in the book of life, and that person is separated from God for eternity. Now, that's an easy fix while you're on this earth. It's an impossible fix once you've left this earth. It's an easy one now because Jesus did all the work for you. All you've got to do is ask him to come into your life and submit your life to him, and he's going to answer anyone who calls on his name. Uh, now, let me, let me be, be clear. that when the state, What is the state of the Christian after the first death? 
Last week we talked a, a lot about what happens to the person who isn't a Christian. But when the spirit and the soul are in the presence of the Lord, what is the state of the Christian? Well, let me, let me clear up a couple of things for you real quickly here. Uh, number one, we are not angels. Every now and then you say, oh, my mom's my angel now. No, she's not. Your mom's not an angel. Your mom's a human being. She's in, she, her spirit and soul may be in heaven, but she's not an angel. She's a part of the saints of God in heaven, and we rejoice in that. But we don't, be, we don't, we don't transition into being angels. Two, at this time, at this moment, those who have gone before us have not been given the new body yet. That we, ex we, we exist in that time in, the sp in spirit and in soul state, not in a body state. C, we will know and be known. You will know people when you get there. People will know you when they get there. When you see your lost loved ones, you're going to know who they are. When they see you, they're going to know who you are. I have an aunt who's about 95, and she tells people that she's afraid that her friends who are already in heaven are wondering if she didn't make it. <laughs> so they've been up there a long time waiting for me, and I'm not there yet. They're wondering if I didn't make it. It's an interesting thing to, to take note that when, when Peter and, and, uh, was on the Mount of Transfiguration and Elijah and Moses were there with Jesus, he knew who they were. That's an interesting thing. He, he instantly knew who they were. He knew it was Elijah and Moses. Now, he didn't have a Facebook picture of them. He hadn't seen their portrait someplace. But there's something in that moment in the power of God that we recognize and know each other. We are individuals made uniquely, created uniquely, and we will always be that. We will be that unique person that God has created us to be. Now, this is important. We cannot talk to them and they cannot talk to us. Let me say that again. We cannot talk to them. They cannot talk to us. If you're doing that, you say, oh, I'm with this person, and you know, they do this thing, and I can talk to my mom. They're either a clever fraud, or you are talking to demons. You're not talking to your mom. You're not talking to your dad. You're not talking to a friend. This is a, this is a spiritual thing that's going on, and that person who's doing that with you is either fraudulent or they are invoking the power of demons that are trying to lie and deceive you. And if you're doing that, I'm just telling you, you need to stop it now. You need to just quit. We don't need to talk there. And they're not allowed to talk to us. Now, here's the, the third thing. And this may, some of you come, may come from traditions where this may uh, rock your world, but I challenge you to look at the Scripture. 
we don't have patron saints. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't have patron saints. We have the Holy Spirit. I don't need to pray to anybody else. I don't need to depend on anybody else. I have the authority to go into the very presence of God. He's opened that door through his son, Jesus. I don't need a patron saint. I've got the Holy Spirit. And so I don't need to wear that. I don't need to do that. I don't need to think about that. I just need to walk in the person of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I've got more than what any other person that's ever existed on this earth could ever offer to me. I don't need them to do something for me. I've got the Holy Spirit. I can depend upon the Holy Spirit. Now, we are told about a great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews describes the people of faith this way. That they are witnessing what we are doing on this earth. They are paying attention to how we, they are interested in us. They are hopefully cheering for us. And they, they are looking to see the grace of God applied in our lives. They are not unaware. Our loved ones who are part of this fellowship and know us, your moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, friends, are watching with great interest how we choose to live our lives and how faithful we are to the things of God. Now, let me give you a quick breakdown of end-time events, as the Scripture says to us. Uh, first of all, I'm not, not going to try to lead us up to when these end-time events happen, but just what happens in the end time. There's going to come a moment in time when God is going to command that the trumpet in heaven be, be sounded. And all those who are believers on this earth at that time will be caught away to what we call heaven. Now, my dad used to say it all the time before he passed away. He'd say, I'd rather go by the highway, I'd rather go by air than by subway. <laughs> now, he went by subway. Either way, we're going to get to the same place. But some people are going to get to go by air. God's going to come. He's going to say, enough of this mess. And he's going to catch people away that have been living for him. After that happens, now, let me tell you, when that happens, that's when you get the new body. That's when the believers in heaven get the new body is when that trumpet sounds. That's when their body is resurrected in new form, and in the twinkling of an eye, they are changed. Now, what happens immediately after that is a time of tribulation and judgment on this earth that will last for the next seven years. You don't want to be here for that. You don't want to be a part of that. You want to stay, you want to, you want to escape that. That is not a good place to be. Now, during that seven years in heaven, the judgment seat of Christ will take place and the marriage supper of the Lamb will take place. Listen, heaven is a place of rewards. We get into heaven by the grace of God. 
We earn rewards by the things that we do. So when you're reading your Bible and you get to this thing where God is judging every word and every action and everything that we do, that's happening in two places. That's happening for the believer at the judgment seat of God. And listen, there's gain and there's loss there for all eternity. And that happens at the great white throne judgment for those who are not saved. And there is even worse loss there for those who have not paid attention to what God would have them to do. We get rewards for what we did here or lost for what we didn't do here. Let me tell you, in that moment, you're going to be glad you were a tither. And you're going to be sorry if you weren't. In that moment, you'll be glad for every penny you gave to missions to help people around the world, and you'll wish you'd done more. In that moment, you'll be happy and thrilled about every personal sacrifice you made to help other people because God's going to settle accounts in that moment. And you're going to wish you'd helped others that God told you to ask help. For every person that you invite to church, for everyone that gets saved, for every person you have a spirit, that you dare to have a spiritual con conversation with, whether it went well or whether it didn't go well, whether they accepted God or didn't accept Christ, you'll be happy you had the spiritual conversation. Because the power of it, of your part of it, the reward in your part of it, isn't whether they accept or not. The reward on your part of it is that you were faithful. It's up to them to accept it. Friends, in that moment, every area of your life that you brought into obedience to, to God, every prejudice you set aside, every wound that you laid down, every person that you chose to forgive because God forgave you, you're going to be glad you did it because God's going to look at everything we did on this earth, every word that we said, Every action, every bit of gossip, every lie, every person we encouraged, every person we blessed, every person we spoke life to, every person we loved on and encouraged on this, he's going to look at all of that and he's going to settle accounts. I want the accounts to go in my favor. How about you? The Bible continually tells us about being ready for that moment. After all that's done, the seven years that happened, then the second coming of the Lord will take place. The first time he came like a lamb, this time he comes like a lion. He comes to set up rule. And Jesus and his saints will rule the earth for a thousand years. Then, at the end of that thousand year period, the enemy will be loosed for a period of time so that those who are alive upon the earth at that moment will be able to have this time of making an eternal decision whether they want to follow Jesus or whether they don't. And at the end of that time, the enemy will be overthrown and the great white throne judgment will take place and death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire and anyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will be placed there for eternity. So after the millennium, this is what we, we should really be interested in. What happens after the millennium? This is what John is talking about in John chapter 21. John now sees a new heaven and a new earth. 
He says, for the first heaven and earth has passed away. What does that mean, it's, it's passed away? Well, some theologians look at this, and they, they think that, that just as God spoke uh, and, and created, and that all that he created has been tainted curse, all the earth and all this has been tainted by this curse, that all and all things will become new. Everything. The heavens and the earth. Others think that maybe just the surface of the earth will be done and the heavens above the earth will be redone. We see in this passage that there'll be no more sea and some see this as a symbol of no more prisons. Others see that the sun and the moon and the sea no longer have a purpose because God supplies all that they do. And the Bible says a new Jerusalem is established. Jerusalem is the center of God's promise and a return to us, to us dwelling with him. The new Jerusalem in this passage is described as being 12,000 stadia, long, wide, and tall. Now, what does that mean? Well, uh, 12,000 stadia is, is about 1,400 miles. About the size of the Mississippi to the Atlantic. That's the width and that's the height. When you think about that, it means it's, it, it stretches beyond the stratosphere. This thing is mammoth. It has been estimated that this would leave room for about 20 to live and have about a third of a mile each to occupy. That means all the believers throughout all time are going to have plenty of room there. That's huge, isn't it? So now, Pastor... You talk about this stuff, you know, the Lord coming and people being caught away, and you talk about, you know, uh, you know, Jesus setting up rule on the earth and judgment seat of Christ, and you talk about, you know, people getting new bodies, and you talk about a new heavens and a new earth, and you talk about this new Jerusalem. Isn't that a bit fantastic? Do you expect me to really... Uh, believe that? In the beginning, God spoke and the heavens and the earth came into existence. In the beginning, God breathed into us a breath of life and we became eternal living beings. The Bible tells us that he speaks and sees part. The Bible tells us that when he speaks, cease, storms cease and cursed, cursed diseases are healed and the dead are raised and that he creates a new eternity for us. Yes, when we talk about God, we're talking about pretty fantastic stuff. We're talking about stuff beyond our imagination. And here's what happens. Men does one of three things in the face of God's declared abilities. 
We do one of three things. One, we try to explain it all away. We say, oh, no, that's not true. That didn't really happen. Uh, that, you know, God didn't speak the worlds into existence. It happens by evolution and, and, you know, it processes by natural causes and all of this is just a chance. We try to explain it all the way. We try to look at it and go, no, no, let's get it into, and it didn't, God didn't really do any of it. Or we try to put it in terms to understand him. Now, I warn you about that. This is the sin from the beginning. This is what Satan tempted mankind with from the very beginning. Take this fruit, eat this forbidden fruit, and you'll be like God. You'll understand like God is. And it's this mistake that we somehow think that with just a little bit of revelation, just a little bit of, uh, of more insight, that we can figure out the greatness of God. And what the Bible reveals to us, what we really look at when we see things in the Bible, is that we, he's not just a little bit out of, a bit out of reach, he's way out of reach. He's way beyond our control. So people will look at these things and they will say, well, you know, you look at the book of Revelation, Pastor, it's all symbolic. They look at some of the stories of the Bible and some of the things that happen in the Bible and they'll say, well, they're just fables. They didn't really happen. They're just stories that have been passed along and they've been exaggerated. They'll look at John's story and they'll just say, you know, it, it, it's just something he saw in a dream and it's not really going to unfold. But let, let, me, let me wrap the book of Revelation up for you. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 18, Listen to what John writes to us. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which is described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Which brings us to the third way that we have to choose when we look at these fantastic, out of our reach, hard to comprehend works of God that he declares he has done and he is going to do. And here's the third option. We stand in awe of him. We just realize that we should be grateful that this great God loves us. We see the worlds that he created and it blows our minds that he can do it. We look at the things he's prophesied and see those things that have been fulfilled and it blows our minds that he did it. And we look at the things he says he's going to do and we go, if he could do all that, he can do all this. Nothing is outside of his reach. And his love gives us hope at every moment in life that he loves us that he cares for us, and nothing we face on this earth is too big for him. He is able to keep us. 
See, many want some kind of common footing with God, but what we get when we look is we get this God that we have who's so far beyond our understanding and our comprehension that we can't understand him. But, the, but as we get closer, we get more joyful and we are more overcome by his greatness. The joy of his presence moves in our life. We're going to talk about the presence of God in our life next week a little bit. And I just want to tell you, friends, this is the, he's supposed to be the source of everything for us. Now, here's where Revel, the book of Revelation really gets personal. And here's what I want you to, to really focus on today. He says, John the Revelator says, the old order of things passes away. What, what's the old order? This. What you and I are existing right now is the order of the day. We live, we breathe, we get sick, we die, good things happen, bad things happen, people are evil, we struggle with sin nature, we have all these things going on in us, we struggle with our emotions at times, we struggle with understanding, we're limited in strength and in health, and the Bible says the old, the, this world is the old order and it's going to pass away. It's going to pass away. And then it begins to describe what that means. So we hear people say there's no tears in heaven. This is when that happens. Right now, there's this great cloud of witness we, we alluded to. They may be watching some of us and, and be crying, be concerned about us, be worried about us. But when this day comes, every tear is going to be wiped away. Everything's going to, all regrets will be gone. All wounds of our spirit, of how you were wounded upon this earth, how somebody abused you upon this earth, of some thing that, you, that happened to you upon this, all of those things, all injustice is accounted for, and all mistreatment is overcome. The old passes away. Does that sound good to you? Listen, there will be no more death. No more graveyards, no more funeral services, no more separation from loved ones, no more fe fear of illnesses, no more accidents that take lives unexpectedly, no wars or terrorism, no murder, safe streets, death will be vanquished and cast into the pit of fire. That's a new order. That's a better order, don't you think? Amen. Not only that, no more mourning. There's no more sorrow. There's no more loss. There's no more brokenness. All things will work the way they're supposed to work. We will all have work to do that will be satisfying and fruitful and fulfilling. There'll be things to do that we'll love doing, that we'll find joy in, what we'll have purpose in. We will work with the joy of the Lord in our life and with his presence sustains. It won't wear us out. It won't break us down. It won't break our backs. It won't break our emotions. It won't mess up our minds. It won't leave us with confusion. We will work in the joy of the Lord. No more crying. We'll have no more fears. 
No more insecurities. We will be whole and life will be whole. No bad news coming. Listen, I don't know about you, but when my phone rings about three in the morning, I look at it and go, what is going on now? No more fears of the expected or the unexpected calls in the night. No more night. No more crying. Joy will not only be the norm, it will be as natural as breathing. It'll just be what we are. We will be a joyful person. The fullness of the fruit of the Spirit will be perfected in us. And as Isaiah says, we will be crowned with everlasting joy because of the power of the presence of God. All of that comes because we get to experience who God is and what God is. No more pain from the smallest, you know, splinter that we get in the finger to the aching back to the swollen knees to the migraines, the asthma, the allergies, the cancer, the diabetes, the heart attacks, no hospitals, no doctor visits, no medicine cabinets. Listen, if you're a doctor, you're going to be out of work. If you're a lawyer, you're going to be out of work. Pastors are going to be out of work. God's going to be our shepherd. God's going to be our healer. God's going to be our protector. God's going to be our justice. No more effects of the curse will be upon us. It's going to be a new order of things. The gates of the city will always be open because there is no enemy. There is nothing to fear. We can come and go and do the things that we're called to do without any concern. The new Jerusalem will be more beautiful than anything we have ever seen. Anything. Our relationships will no longer be struggles. They'll be healthy in their whole jealousies. They don't have those anymore. Betrayals, those don't happen anymore. Misunderstandings, those don't happen anymore. No more sin, no more evil, no more lust, no more hardship, but deep, meaningful relationships where all of the flesh and all the sin nature has been swept away. We see each other in the love of God as the creation of God and the wholeness of God and walk in the friendship of God. You know, I, I think sometimes that the Bible just gives us a few of these glimpses of heaven because if we saw it clearly, we just want to go, all we'd want to do is just go there now. Because, friends, we can't begin to imagine the fullness of it. And all of this really takes place, friends, because of one thing that this passage says, that the dwelling place of God is with man. Just like at the beginning. All light comes from him. Doesn't need to be, no more sun and moon. Sun and moon function because God tells them to function. He'll be our light. He'll be, his power will, will resonate from him. And we will get closer to him. The closer we get to him, the more we'll discover about him. I don't know about you, but I, I love going to see 
on this earth, the creation of God. I, I love to see the, the waters crashing into the rocks in the Pacific. I love to see the gorgeous waters of Hawaii and Bermuda. I love to see the glaciers in Alaska and the beautiful forests of our country and the rivers that run through them. I can stand and look at Niagara Falls and just stand amazed at this great waterfall as the water comes pouring over and has been doing that before I was born, for centuries before I was born, and that the Lord tarries will continue for centuries to come. The sun sets in the Rockies, the colorful leaves of Concord in the fall. So many places I would love to go back to and so many places I would love to see for the in the short in the short lifespan that we have, but life is short and sometimes funds are shorter. Listen, this is just the creation. This is just the creation. We're going to get to see the Creator. Friends, He's not like us. You see, you see me once, you get the picture. Kind of understand. This, that's who he is. Not God. He's the creator. He's eternal. Not only eternal in length of time, but eternal in being. Eternal in presence. Eternal in power. And eternal in beauty. And we get to see him. And he's going to dwell with us. Listen, you can go see Niagara. You can look at it from afar, but you better not try to embrace it or experience it too closely. It'll destroy you. But when we get to walk in the presence of God, we get to experience Him. We'll get to experience Him for eternity over and over and over again, always discovering something new, always seeing something brighter, always seeing something more beautiful. Every time we come into His presence, it's going to be enlightening, it's going to be fulfilling, it's going to be awesome, it's going to be awe-inspiring. We're going to be blown away. We're going to fall on our knees every time. We're going to get to experience Him. He's going to flood into us. We're going to grow in His likeness. It's going to be moments where we just are crowned with everlasting joy. And not only do we get to see Him, but he, we get to experience Him throughout all of eternity. New insights, new beauty every day, like the sunrise or the snowflake that is never the same, except this beauty is making us new as, it comes upon, as He comes upon us. Listen, there is no boredom in heaven. There is just overwhelming glory. Part of our purpose is to marvel at God and to grow in His likeness. We just open your hearts in these few moments and let the thought of that, who God is, spring to life in your spirit today. My imagination is, uh, is active, but boy, I know it's limited. I can imagine what it would be like to have some of the pain of this world swept away. I can't imagine what it's gonna, he's going to replace it with. I, I can imagine some of this beauty of God because I can see some of his creation, but I can't imagine how awesome that beauty is going to be that 
I can stand before the great things of this earth and go, wow, that's really cool. God, you did great. But when we walk into his presence, we're going to fall on his knees and confess that he's Lord. It's going to be overwhelming. It's hard to imagine how his presence, we get a taste of it. In a moment like this, we reach out to God and you get a taste of his presence. But then we're going to be saturated with his presence for eternity, forever and forever. Friends, the Bible does not present us with a God we can understand. He gives us a lot of things we can understand. But when it comes to God, we are presented with a being we are to see with awe. He's overwhelming. And we become undone by who He is. And it draws us to this place when you sense Him that it says, okay, I'll throw my bitterness aside. I'll throw my anger aside. I'll throw my hatreds aside because I just want to be with Him. I don't care what others have done to me. I want to be with this great God. I want to be healed by Him. Listen to the days before Jesus. The Jews thought only Jews would go to heaven. And even inside of that, the Pharisees thought only the Pharisees would go to heaven. But Jesus said, many will come from the east and the west, from all over the planet. They're going to come to be with him. Listen, there's going to be murderers there. There's going to be alcoholics there and prostitutes there and drug abusers there and thieves there and betrayers there and you and me. Why? Because they cried out to God. They asked Jesus to forgive them. Because Jesus, the great one, died on the cross so that everyone could go in. So no one has to be left out. He's there for all of us. Let's all stand together today. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We look forward to that day when there's a new world order. When there's a new universal order. When the old has passed away and all things have become new. And we rejoice in the hope of that and we don't want to miss it. So Lord, let your strength and your power be upon us today. And Help us in our weaknesses today. Help us in our infirmities today. As we look forward to that great day. That's beyond our comprehension. But Lord, aren't you beyond our comprehension? Meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name. As every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. And ask prayer teams to come down to the front. As they're coming down the front, I, I just want to tell you, you know, the ticket into that, into, into this great heaven that we're promised, this great eternity, has already been punched for you. Jesus paid the price on Calvary for you. And he didn't just tell us, wait for then. He sends his Holy Spirit now to be with us, to give us strength to make it to that very place. But what about you? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you looked towards and said, you know what? I'm not going to try to live in the old order of things. I want to start living now in a new order of things. I want his kingdom to be birthed in my spirit today. 
If today you say, Pastor, I need to take that step of faith and put my trust in Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, we just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me right now. I want Christ in my life and I want this hope of heaven in my spirit. Wherever you're at, just raise your hand right now. Yeah, God bless you others today. You'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anyone else today? You'll raise your hand and say, pray for me today. Lord, you know the condition of every heart in this room. We rejoice in our hope of heaven. But Lord, our hope of a great heaven is because we're in relationship with you. It's not because the streets are gold. It's not because the gates are pearl. It's not because the size of the city is so fabulous. It's not because there's new beauty there that we've never seen here. Our hope of heaven is because you dwell with us. Lord, we're thankful for the taste of that upon this earth. Now, Lord, you see the ones who've responded today. I just pray that in these moments, they'll open their heart fully to you and that your spirit will move in them and birth a new kingdom in their spirit that will guide them from now into your very presence, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to sing a song, one song one more time, and as we sing it, if you raised your hand or if you didn't and you needed to, if you have a need in your life, Listen, God loves you. This is the amazing thing. This is one of the amazing things about the greatness of God. He loves me. I find that amazing. I don't like me so much sometimes. And yet he loves me. He loves you. And he wants to dwell with you. If you have a need in your life, come down and let somebody pray with you. If you want to get your heart right with him in some way, come let somebody pray with you. And after we've done this, we're going to dismiss this service. But don't forget, friends, every day we get closer to when we're either going to go see him or he's going to come get us. You want to be ready on that day. Amen? Amen. Let's sing this song one more time.